welcome to an episode of Leading from the Arts. We're on episode two of kind of the rebrand of our podcast from Out from the Cube. If you are used to listening to Out from the Cube and you've supported that for the past, geez, I don't know, it's maybe been three or four years now. We've uh, rebranded this Leading from the Arch um, with my buddy and friend, co-host, Joe Quinn. How are you, Joe? Doing great, man. It's Friday, Friday it afternoon. Friday actually, afternoon. This. Uh, we'll be at your house tomorrow for a little, yes. little yeah. celebration. Birthday. Yeah, my so. son. Yeah, my son is my oldest son is turning 13 or has turned 13. He turned 13 uh, Wednesday of this week. We're, like Joe said, we're recording on a Friday, but we're going to throw him a little party. Did he like grow like 13 inches in the last Oh, year? my word. He has grown about four and a half inches, right around four, maybe a little Jeez. bit north of that. So he, he uh, he's getting close, man. So he, he is might be taller. He might be taller. Now he's the, yeah, he's not taller. So he, I measure him in his shoes, right? And I, we're and people that listen to the podcast know we are a basketball-driven family. Um, it's my background. It's my sport of choice. Work with Joe and his his boys, and um, uh, but anyway, I measure my my sons and my stepdaughter. We measure them in their shoes down here in the basement. So mm -hmm. I I. I jokingly say you play in your shoes we'll measure you in your shoes so we try to find shoes with about a three or four inch uh sole and so no but we measured him last time in his uh shoes yeah and we measured him at six foot so um That's he's awesome. been six foot at 12 years old but now he's 13 so six foot or a little bit north of that at at uh 13 years old so that's great yeah so but he did he grew a lot this year both my boys grew four inches actually um tyler has got a ways to go but yeah kids are getting big it's awesome, man. But you know so what? I, I, yeah, I posted that picture though, man. I posted mm -hmm. this picture on, you know, to Facebook or whatever it is of him when he was two years old or a year and a half. And now he's 13. And man, I'm just telling you, man, I'd go back to that in a second. I'd go back mm -hmm. to my boys being <laughs> two and enjoying that. And, and I, I, the only thing I may, you know, pat myself on the back for is I have really done it. I think I've done a great job of really trying to soak up everything. Right. Since they have been, you know, I've I've soaked up everything with those kids um, and I've taken advantage of all those opportunities. Uh, but, I, man, I wish I could go back and enjoy it again. But, yeah. So, yeah, he's getting a little older and man, tw uh, two to 13 or the past 10 years, man, it has gone fast. As And you can attest, yeah. you've got a junior and a sophomore and a seventh grader and a fifth grader. Right. Yeah. Yep. All growing fast, but it's good, man. Yeah, we're enjoying, enjoying the high school times. Yeah, it is going. So fast. before we get far too far into this, yeah. I, I get a text message. You know, uh, George and I text each other quite a bit, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I see one of you at oh. Lindenwood basketball, oh, right. and then all yeah, of a sudden, right. I see Twitter Lindenwood basketball program, and George is up there giving a speech to kids. Man, what what was what was that about? <laughs> like, you, you got to give. Give us the rundown. No, it was it was the, cool. the, the quick version. Yeah, the quick version. I won't go too long. Uh, we have we have <laughs> so the head basketball coach at Lindenwood mm -hmm. is a friend of ours, and um, we're we're all really close. Our we coach his boys, and you know all of us are really good friends. So anyway, I for the past you know since he's been there and we've gotten to know him, I go out on occasion and just watch them practice. It's it's mm -hmm. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do is to be in the gym watching other teams work, watching a, a coach that I really admire, look up to and respect um, working with his kids. So I've been doing that for a while. Do I do it a lot? Nah, no, I don't, you know, just with my job and his practice times, don't get a chance to. Um, 
but the coach there, his name's uh, Coach Gerdman. Uh, we went out one night and we were just having drinks, talking, and I told him about a drill that I really liked, and he seemed interested in the drill. So anyway, I ended up at the practice. He came over one day and said, hey, would you run that drill with my team? So mm -hmm. he actually pulled me on, and I ran his team through it, and he knows how I coach. I'm a pretty enthusiastic, passionate, loud um, coach, and hopefully positive. And, but anyway, so he looked at me and he said, Hey, run it how you would run it. And so I ran it how I would run it. And so I, anyway, we've done that twice now, um, mm -hmm. where I've gone out there and worked with his team, coaching them the way that I would, you know, coach your sons or that I would coach my kids or the way that I would coach the college kids that I used to work with, you know, with some intensity, with some passion mm -hmm. and, um, you know, with some detail. So that's what we did. And it's, uh, but there happened to be somebody there that day recording. Right. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of this drill is to, um, it's hard, it's a hard drill to win. It's a very hard drill to win and you stick with the drill until you win it. And mm -hmm. over time, when you don't win it, um, the team starts to kind of splinter a little bit. Some teams right. pull together and some teams yeah. splinter. And that was the idea of kind of my message that got caught on Twitter was, Hey, this, this drill is starting to tear you apart it, it, and it's starting to divide you and you're starting to blame people and your body language is starting to go bad. And um, everything that instead of pulling you together and trying to problem solve on what you need to do, it's starting to splinter you. Um, and that was kind of the idea of that Twitter, uh, what Twitter uh, was posted on Twitter is that. Um, so again, uh, probably short, but again, I, uh, that, that I just love that opportunity and he's a good friend of ours and I really appreciate you know, him and his team and, um, and all that, you know, the, the thing I would say about that is, um, and, and maybe position this to, uh, to professional life and us being, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old, right? I go out there and work with a bunch of um, young adults, you know, that mm -hmm. are, you know, somewhere between 18 and 24 years old that all think they're really good players and they are, they're really skilled. But here comes some guy off the street and they have no idea who I am. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, somebody they don't know is getting after them, challenging them, giving them um, giving them some feedback on how they could be better or things mm -hmm. for them to consider. But all I can say about that, like that's a different environment. Like, who is this guy? But all of those players were yes, sir. No, sir. Some of them were like, Hey, tell me more. I need this. You know, it was just so res responsive and it's just a, a testament to coach Gerdman, his team, his staff, and those players, because it's hard, man. When somebody new comes in that you don't know, that is one getting after you maybe, but one, you know, showing you a different way of doing things and giving you a different perspective and challenging you, you know, some people would hate that, right? It, professionally, right? Yep. Like, who yep. is this guy, right? Um, it's easy to shut that person out. Um, but if you go in with the mindset of, man, I'm just here to get better. And I don't care where it comes from. And I don't care who the messenger is, but it's up to me to take it in and either apply it or it's up to me to dismiss it and say it's garbage, right? And his players took it in, right? And and that's a testament to uh, those kids. Like, hey, I just want to get better, and I don't care where the mm -hmm. message comes from. So it, it was really. So a good did you did you notice a difference? Because we talk about this quite a bit. You know, sometimes when you're managing people of different walks of life, different ages, right? Um, it's different. Sometimes when you're, you know, you get seventh grade kids, sixth grade kids, you're, you're messing with 
uh, college kids at that level. Yeah. You know, even the guy that we had on the podcast last week talked a lot about, I mean, he was tied with, with basketball college level been for so many years. Um, but you know, he talked a lot more about the people aspect of it. And so did you, did you notice a difference, um, maybe in your style or maybe the way were, were kids receiving messages different? Cause I don't, from the short clip I've talked to, and I talked to coach Gerdeman about you going up there, uh, it sounded like you delivered the message, not a ton different, and maybe you altered it some, but you know, what, what was the difference between the sixth grade level, seventh grade level, and the college level did you notice anything well no but i think that you have to be aware of and it's not a basketball thing but you've mm -hmm. got like it's hard to roll in and start delivering a message where it's uh, specifically at someone mm -hmm. that you don't have a relationship with who doesn't know you you don't know yep. them you don't know their their buttons their triggers mm -hmm. and all that so what and i was out there and i was being corrective with certain things but I also, when I was correcting people, I wanted to make sure, and I was very deliberate in it, like, hey, I'm not getting after you, and I don't know you, mm -hmm. and I don't know what coach is expecting of you. I don't know. Like, I, there's things you just don't know. Now, if I'm there every day, and I know the message from Coach Gerdeman, and I know I know this kid, and I know that he's got a class right before, or that his girlfriend just mm -hmm. broke up with him, or that yeah. he's got whatever it is, right? Like, I don't know, right? And so, I was very deliberate, like, hey, I know you don't know me, and I don't know you, but consider this, right? I remember watching you play last year and that shot that you just took, you have to take because you're great, right? So mm -hmm. I tried to pepper everything with being really positive. Like, hey, I know you're really good. And I know like I saw you play last year and this is a shot that you you can make 45% of the time. So you've got to take it. Um, I challenge you to, you've got to make more of them, right? That would be, you know, because you're capable, right? Uh, but So you got to watch it. Like the kids that we work with, that we've worked with since they've been in second grade, mm -hmm. I know those kids. I yeah. know that um, I can, you know, get after my kid. I know that I can mm -hmm. get after your kids, right? I know mm -hmm. I can sit there and say, I've seen you do great. And right now you're not being, you know, you've got to step it yeah. up and you can challenge yeah. them a bit more. Um, it's hard to do that when you don't know people, right? Um, you no, know, we so talk about that actually quite a bit, right? How different kids get motivated by different things. So yeah. did you, I mean, did you have a different approach? You just try to kind of go in there and, and just show your energy and passion. Cause that's what I saw from you. Yeah. Um, well, that's, although I didn't get to see a ton of the video, but well, that's, and coach Gerdman and I've talked a lot mm -hmm. about that. You yeah. know, I, I think you've got to roll. Like I'm always going to be me. He would mm -hmm. not have brought me out there if, if, if he didn't if you know change me. your tone, right. You weren't being authentic right. in you. Yeah. yeah. Like he knows, like I'm going to be me. And so mm -hmm. me going like, I, I'm going to approach coaching that's my favorite thing to do, mm -hmm. right? And my favorite thing yep. to do is to be on the basketball floor and working with people, watching people get better, blah, 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 all this yep. sort of stuff, right? And I'm going to go out there with some passion and some energy and try to teach on a on a very detailed level, you know, given the audience, right? So, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'd like to think I brought some enthusiasm and passion to it, like, and that's, um, and that's, you know, but he knew I was, that's why he brought me out there. He knew I, mm -hmm. I that I would be me, Um and you've got to do that, right? It's the same thing with what we're doing professionally, man. I'm going to, you know, I just had a conversation with my boss just upstairs, man. And I was bringing some passion back because I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, like, like I'm, I'm not in it for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here. Like, it's the same thing. Like I'm not out there to get it's any sort of acknowledgement from anybody. I'm on the basketball floor with coach Gerdman's team. I'm out there to help people get better. 
and mm-hmm. to help that help Girdman get better. And I'm out there to help our company and our product line and our business line get better. I'm not in this for any other. So that's where my passion comes from. And it's, and you know, and hopefully everybody can be on the same page because we've got to bring that passion and that commitment and the details and the accountability to all right. everything we're doing, man. Otherwise, right. got to have the drive. Man, if there's no doubt. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's, uh, but Girdman bringing me out there is, uh, you know, I think I walked off the floor and looked at another friend of ours and just said, man, that's the best way to start a weekend because it it's just the best, man. Yeah, I know you were living on cloud nine, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I mean, one, one other thing I think that was kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I was, I was talking to Gerdeman and, you know, even the podcast that we had a couple weeks ago, coaching. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gerdeman makes a comment. And it's, I like stuff like this. I think this is what separates, you know, the, the average from the really good. And he's like, you know, we're, we're getting ready to plan a team building event. And I think they were leaning towards like a top golf. And he's like, you know, he goes, sometimes you just don't really think about those things. Um, sometimes you don't think about bringing the George guy in, but man, that stuff makes a difference. And he talked about, you know, he brought in one of his old players mm-hmm. and had them talk, talk to the group. And he goes, you, you got to do stuff like that just to bring, the team closer together and that, that stuff carries over to the business world. You know, I, yeah. to me that I love to hear stuff like that. Cause I know you and I enjoy stuff like that. Oh, I love but, it. And um, love it. That, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? He, mm-hmm. it's not, it's yes. This is a, a leading from the arch. We're focusing really on St. Louis. It is sport focused. Cause that's our background. There's always going to be the sport metaphor or story, but it's the same thing with what coach Gerdman's doing with what we're trying to do. And you, and you buying companies and building your teams is, Hey, the course has got to be set. We've right. got it. like, we're going a certain direction and somebody has got to set that course. And it's typically a boss or a head coach with input of, mm-hmm. and, and, and them surveying the landscape of what we're capable of. Now, if Gerdman yeah. has a, a bunch of freshmen and he's just building the, him winning the league and making a run mm-hmm. at a national championship or an elite eight is probably not, going to happen, but he's got a talented team. And so him, mm-hmm. like the idea of setting the course and surveying the landscape of skill and talent and, and um, you know, and um, all that, that they have, it's the same thing we're doing, but it, but you can't get to that destination. You can't get that boat out of the Harbor headed for where you want to go. If you're not all together, if you're not mm-hmm. all going the same way, because you could say, hey, we got one big boat and we got 12 boats that are all, you know, of all the individuals. And we're hoping we can all stay together as we go on this journey together. But you got to you got to keep all those boats together. And that's what the idea of of team building and, you know, and all that that stuff's important, man, because like, is it safe for you to say, hey, if we lose the boat that's at the tail end, that's not the most important boat. If that thing mm-hmm. gets off course and wants its own, no, but you've got to keep every, you've got to keep that 12th man. You've got to keep that, that person that you may not think is important in your company. All like it's, we've talked about this, the guy that's at NASA, that's the janitor. And somebody asks him what he does for a living. He was like, I'm helping put people on the moon. Right. And he's just the janitor, right? It'd be easy to mm-hmm. not have that guy buy in. And say it's not important. My job's not important. I don't need to have my boat going the same direction as everybody else's because I'm not that important. But shit, that guy's sitting around saying, I, I'm contributing to getting people on the moon. Like that's badass, right? That yeah, means you're doing right. things the right way. And Gerdman's thinking about it. You're thinking about it with the companies you're spinning up. I'm trying to do it with our company and our product lines. Like we've got, and you've got to continue to beat that drum every day. 
every day of getting people aligned, in sync, headed the same direction. Um, and you can never, ever get, get off point on that because that's when it all starts to fall apart, um, especially, you know, two days, four days. That should be a, a never end. So Girdman thinking that way, it's because they're good and they're talented. But like what we said in that video, you're never going to do that alone. Mm -hmm. like not you're, you're not going to reach your goals alone. Like yeah. you're trying to build and um, buy companies. And then once you buy them and you know, you can win, you've got to get the right people and you've got to set the course. And then you've got to make sure that if I work for you, like, Hey, George, we're headed this direction and I need you and you're valuable mm -hmm. and you're skilled and you're talented. But every day I've got to make sure that we're going the same direction, mm -hmm. right? Because that's how you end up being elite. And that's how you end up building these companies up, man. So yeah, long winded, but man, I'm, I'm driven by that today. No, that, that's good stuff. I mean, even kind of before, and I'd like for you to maybe tie into to this conversation, but before we were still recording, you, you made a comment about, you know, don't be an asshole. What, yeah. what was that about? Like, well, how, yeah, give me your, what, what was your experience here? And well, yeah. So along those lines, I'm, I've been asked for those that are listening to this. Yes. Uh, leading from the arch. I'm excited about kind of the rebrand of us mm -hmm. and Joe's really connect, connected in St. Louis and a part of a number of um, groups and committees and so we're going to be bringing in a lot of these CEOs and CTOs and people that are really instrumental in St. Louis. And uh, we're, we're hoping people in St. Louis will reach out to us and, and start that conversation. It's a, an amazing city. But all this is relevant, even if you're outside of St. Louis. But I have a friend that is in Chicago and his name's Ed Molitor. He's been on the podcast twice. I just absolutely love the guy. Love his love his message, love his energy. Love uh, He runs his own podcast called The Athletics of Business. And anyway, um, he has reached out to me about supplying him with the notes. I take a lot of notes. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you've seen my notes on LinkedIn. What I am doing now for Ed Coach Molitor, and he's a former college basketball coach, so so I call him Coach. Um, coach Molitor um, is I'm listening to his podcast, and I'm just taking notes. And then I supply him with the notes, and he does what he wants with them. But I think he's supplying those to his guests as kind of a, a, a gift. Mm -hmm. um, and however he's doing that, it could be a poster, it could be, you know, yep. a postcard, whatever. Um, and so it's really cool. And so because of that, um, I'm going to, uh, on my uh, laptop here, I'm going to shift, uh, not that anybody can see it, but I did, I did this, um, these notes for a gentleman named Scott O'Neill and it's an interview with Ed Molitor and Scott O'Neill. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm backing this up because I want you all to go listen to this. Scott O'Neill has been on his podcast twice, and both of them are phenomenal episodes. Phenomenal. He was the CEO of Harris Sports and Entertainment, former now. He was in charge of the Philadelphia 76ers, the Philadelphia Flyers, um, Madison Square Garden in New York City. This guy has run top-level companies as the CEO and president of all these things. Um, so when you ask about kind of coming in with a strong arm, coming in as kind of being a jerk that they say here in my notes or being an asshole, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there going, you know, like thinking about like when you take over these companies yeah. um, and you've got to be an agent of change, like it's, do you think there's a difference? I guess I'll ask you the question to get the discussion sure. going. Do you think there's a difference in how you approach taking over a new position? Cause you're going to be tasked with this. You're going to mm -hmm. buy a company. You're either going to buy a company that has been struggling or a company that's been killing it. Does your mm -hmm. approach change in how you come in and how you present yourself? Do you come in as a jerk? Do you come in soft um, to lead uh, and be uh, 
somebody new in a leadership position? Uh, you know, for me, it won't, won't change from what I've done in the past. And I've had, gosh, there was a 14 year stretch when I was in eight different cities and I was taking over new and bigger teams every time I moved. So really my, my approach never changed. So your first 30 days, and this would be regardless of, you know, whether you're taking over a small team or a large team, um, first 30 days is just getting to know the people, zero changes. Um, it's the trust factor. So, Nobody's going to do anything for somebody they don't trust or somebody they don't like. So until you find out, you know, more about the people, I'm a big disc believer, you know, the disc assessment, very transparent. I would send it out to people. This is me. You need to know who I am. There's Hmm. no sense wasting months and months on you all trying to figure out who I am. Um, so I'm very transparent. I get on the phone and I tell all my direct reports, this is who I am. This here's our strengths. Here's my opportunities. This is feedback I've been given. I don't want you guys to have to guess and talk behind my back about who you think I am or who you're not. Like I, I just lay it out on the table I love it. and I, and I'm very transparent. I tell them I know I ain't perfect. Here's things that I'm working on right now. Here's where I want to get better. Here's where if you see me struggling, you need to tell me cause I want to get better. Um, you know, there was points in my career where it was like recognition, you know, so I changed some of the things I wasn't recognizing as often as I should. So I would start every meeting off with recognition. So I just changed a lot of the stuff because my perspective, if I'm not upfront with all these people on day one, actually, it's probably more like day 10 after I've actually got to know them, but I will call a meeting. I've done this every time. Like I am very transparent. I don't want to wait six months. And then you don't need a guess of what kind of person I like or how I want to receive the information and when do I want to receive it and what's our meeting schedule is going to be like. I'm just going to tell you, you know, mm. like this, this is going to be who you're dealing with. And, you know, I, I give them my disc assessment because that kind of explains what kind of a person I am. Yeah. Tell me what that is. I don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of assessments out there, right? Yeah. What's- it just basically... Yeah, uh, there, there is. Uh, it's just a, an ordinary personality assessment that just describes yourself. And some of them, you know, like if you're a D type person, you're very direct to the point, maybe you're not great with relationships, you know? So there's, my perspective is always, it's, it's, you just need to understand what the person's like. Like mm-hmm. you can live with a lot. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you have somebody that's maybe high tech versus somebody that's a people person, the way they interact with people's, all that stuff's going to be different. So mm. for me, yeah, I guess kind of back to your original question, like it's really about getting to know the people first, get them to trust you first. That's the first 30 days. And you got to be very diligent about that. Like know their people, know their kids, all that kind of stuff is important. Mm. And then day 30 through 60 is, is you're really just asking people like further ideas. What do you think? What do we need to do? And then like 60 to 90 is really you start. That's when you can start making some changes. But mm-hmm. if you try to go in and make changes on day one, good luck, man. You might as well mm-hmm. go find you a job. Go, go somewhere else. Mm. That's interesting. So, and so you, you go in this disc assessment that you, that mm-hmm. you're going through. Sure. That's just sure. Like, yeah, that's just something that you do either. Is that an online thing? Or is that something? And then you distribute it out. Like, how is that distributed out? Is that distribute? Is that like in one-on-ones with people or is that something you email everybody? I is that to my direct reports and I tell them if they want to, um, you know, take that a step further and go down to, to their teams. Uh, absolutely fine with me. You know, all it is is just an assessment of, of who I am. It doesn't, it doesn't really change necessarily 
from my perspective, anything, you know, we all have strengths and opportunities. It's just a matter of where do you right. fall within that spectrum, you know? Right. And uh, I want people to just to get to know me quicker. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't believe that we should waste precious time trying to figure out, Oh, well, what kind of a person is Joe? What is, what does he want? What does he like? There's just, there's no, there's no time in that. Yeah. Um, there, there's a, there's an old coach. Uh, I don't even know where he is anymore. And I don't believe he's coaching anymore. His name was Kevin O'Neill. And this was a hardcore in your face, New Yorker with New York accent and just mm -hmm. the language and all this sort of stuff. And it was just a comical guy. And he, I forget all the stops. He was in the NBA with the Toronto Raptors for, and this was probably 20 years ago. But anyway, mm -hmm. he, I, I, I knew him a little bit. He, I knew him. He did not know me. I, yeah. I met him a few times at some clinics and listened to him talk. And we had some common uh, connections and all this sort of stuff. Um, he ended up being the head coach at Northwestern up in Chicago, Evanston for a little bit, maybe two or three years or something like that. And he gave a talk at a coaching clinic that I was at, and I remember him saying that when you go into a losing situation, you get rid of everybody. Mm -hmm. He was like secretaries, janitors, athletic trainers, strength coaches, assistant coaches, players, you clean house because they're used to losing. And, you know, and we've got to develop this new mindset and all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, as you as you go and that 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 is not the route that is not like maybe that's very far on a spectrum right that is not the route that you tend you would prefer to go when you take over a company or you buy a company yeah. and you roll in even if it's a company that you just mm -hmm. know is in the can right and they're just yeah. not winning and they've never won and you you're brought in to turn things around you still even give them the benefit of the doubt the chance the or is it or is that a little bit more difficult of a situation? You know, my, my thing is, is a lot of time when a new leader comes in, it's a, it's a new opportunity for people too. Cause some mm -hmm. people with the old leader might've been scared to do something or afraid to make decisions, you know? So a lot of it is that sometimes you, you just got to empower people. I have found way too many times where it's just lack of role clarity and getting the right people in the right seat on the bus and reassigning jobs that fit their, fit their, yeah. that their strengths and their skill sets. Because I mean, I have, I, I have, you only knew how many hours I have spent just with people and doing what they do and what they love. And I, I mean, all that being said, sometimes people just aren't the right fit. Like we just don't have a spot for you. Like this yeah, is, right. this is not going to cut it out. Um, but it's very transparent. And, you know, I mean, of course I've fired people. I've fired hundreds of people. Um, not always fun, but you know, I don't fire people. They fire themselves. Right. Um, so it's a, uh, if people aren't coming in and really just, uh, you got to get the results for, from their people at yeah. the end of the day, you got to structure that you got to understand what are people doing? You know, if they're working 45 hours a week, what are they doing during those 45? And is it productive? Is it non-value added business value added? Um, it, you know, there's, there's a whole, a whole process to that for sure. Right. So um, this Scott O'Neill, so sure. he was the president and he, he changes yeah. companies. And, um, and I really like, I, I like this, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm reading some of his notes here, but the thing that he really says um, that I'm going to go, go, go through, I'm going to read some of this and then we'll kind of discuss what he says. But uh, what I really like what he said was he got out of when I say he was the CEO of Harrison Sports Entertainment, and I don't mm -hmm. know everything under that umbrella, but he's, but he's actually the former CEO. So he got mm -hmm. out of it. What I like what he said here is, he goes, I'm not a maintenance manager. 
I'm a grower. I'm a grower. I like Mm -hmm. to grow. I like to start something at the bottom where it's not that great or just starting. And I like to grow it up. And and then I'm not, I don't like being in maintenance mode. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And he said that, you know, this is what he said. But so he went around, I guess, maybe on one of his first days, I may not get this story exactly right, but this is how I envision it. Just kind of walking the halls with his direct reports and these people, but he starts going through in this book. Uh, this book is called Be Where Your Feet Are um, that he wrote. And he talks about, and he's going around with his people, but he's starting to point out everything that is wrong. Like, uh, that poster's not straight or that's the wrong poster, or we have a Coke machine and there's Pepsi products in it and it's not Mm -hmm. full. And he's just going through and people are just taking notes on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think the story is he essentially got with his people when this tour was over and he was like, Hey, I want these 10 things fixed by tomorrow or people are going to start being fired. Right. And so he's writing this in the book and the lady, the editor, the publisher of this book that is reading his notes as they're putting this book together and said to him, Hey, you sound like a jerk here. And that this is exactly Mm -hmm. what my notes say. You sound like a jerk. Mm -hmm. Well, and then he said this, he said, and this is verbatim what he said, because I I rewound it and rewound it to make sure I got it right. He said, well, guess what? This, This is a change situation. This isn't for the faint of heart. We're trying to change the world. We are trying to have an impact. We are building a world class organization. Mm-hmm. And so that was his point. Yeah. Am I a jerk? Yeah. And this is the other exact quote. I come strong. He said, he goes, I come strong. Was I hardcore? Yes, I was. Did I have high expectations? Yes, I did. Did it take a long time? Yes, it did. Did it take people to help me? Yes, they it did. Right. But building world-class teams, um, that's what we're here to do. Right. And so I was like, man, this guy's hardcore man <laughs> right um, you know to me that's an interesting approach um and i will say that can work at times I, and i still think a lot of it kind of depends on where you fall within your assessment and what what the people around you some people might right. react well to that and some people not now there are times when i will fight out tell people look this is here are the things we're not going to screw up like you know you give them one two and three or if it is a new program like i will be very transparent and say and this is exactly how this one's going to be and how we're going to do that. And we're not going to deviate um, because sometimes there are things that you roll out that has to be exactly by the book, whether it's, you know, maybe it's a something abiding by a law or something along those lines, or it's a safety metric or something along those lines. Um, I wouldn't probably recommend his approach on, on everything. It wouldn't work for me, yeah, you know, I mean. but there are like, you know, but I do definitely have no debates where it's like, all right, we are not going to screw up, you know, when you have some, and it, it would always vary by sometimes by location, depending on if it's was an opportunity or something, but like, the, you know, I'm transparent on this is what I'm going to be watching for out of this location this year. Yeah. Like we are, we are not going to screw this up. Like we can screw up a lot of things, but we're not, you know, this service metric, definitely not this people metric, definitely not. Right. We are going to get this right. Cause this has a big impact and will fix a lot of other problems for us. Yeah. So um, I, you know, I can't speak to mm-hmm. the, the time frame of when he, was like when he was when he said this like like yeah. to your point like day one through thirty I'm doing X and thirty through sixty <laughs> right. I'm doing this exactly. right now I don't know if he's yeah. rolling around on day one or day ninety right <laughs> but this is what I do like that he said and I uh-huh. and I, I really like this right it's sure. you know there there you have to understand who you are right uh, if my if my def- if, definitely right and so I I want to 
You and your people. You and your people, right? Right. So here's the other thing he said. Mm -hmm. He said, did I hire people I love and trusted and knew? Mm -hmm. Because I knew they knew what the culture of excellence looks like. And he Mm -hmm. said, I did. So it's one of these things like, yeah, did I hire people that I love and I trusted and I knew them? Because I knew that they knew that what the culture of excellence looks like, right? So I don't know if he's, you know, when he hires people mm-hmm. and he's hiring people that he knows and he loves and he trusts because, you know, sure. it's like me, like, hey, if I'm- How big is I'm this st- team? Do you know? No, I don't. People? Yeah, I okay. don't know, right? Because um, I think but, if you have a small team, that's probably an easier concept because those people will know that you're going to go- battle for them and yes, you're going right. to do whatever, right? right? If you're managing a thousand people and you try to have that across that many, I, you just can't have that close of a network. But like, if it's a smaller team and you know, you all got each other's back and sometimes you might have to deliver that kind of message because, you know, like you guys do this and I'll take care of you on the backside or something, you yes. know, that, that, that I would, I could see that working. Yeah. The one thing that he, and, and I, listen, I encourage everybody to go listen to these episodes. These the, mm-hmm. these episodes, and I have got I have not got the book yet. I will probably buy it this weekend. It again, it's called "Be Where Your Feet Are." Um, you know, but he talks. Uh, one thing I really like, uh, he talks a lot about culture. Like he mm-hmm. spends so much time building the culture that um, that he's very upfront. Like, don't you never mess with the culture. Right. Uh, He understands. This is what he says. Um, He says, I have to make sure my people understand that the gear it takes to be excellent at your craft, what what it takes to be world class, not to tolerate mediocrity and don't mess with the culture. Don't mess with the culture. Like, that's it. Right. Like we're we've got to be that as leaders. Like you're Mm -hmm. you're trying to buy companies, build teams. We're talking about like it's the same thing that Coach Gerdman's doing at Lindenwood. (laughs) <laughs> He's sitting there going, listen, you got to understand what it takes to be excellent mm-hmm. for you. Like if you're just going to be average, if you're yeah. just going to come out here as a staff member or a, a trainer or a freshman or a senior on mm-hmm. my basketball team, the gear that it takes to be excellent. Yeah. Right. And we're not going to tolerate mediocrity. We're not, we're going to build our culture. We're not going to mess with the culture and you've got to understand what it takes to be world-class. That's no, this is this, this is Scott O'Neill, the CEO of Harrison sports business and entertainment. Mm -hmm. And that's how he's building his teams. And it's the same thing. I would love to be able to, and uh, to be building where I'm at, right? Because I, I, I don't have that juice to like have all these people. Right. But what's it take to be excellent? What's it take to be world-class? What that we're not going to tolerate just being okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And just the mediocrity and like coach Gerdman sitting around going, you know what, gentlemen, it's okay for us to be 12 and 15 or 12 and 18 or 15 and 15 this year. That's okay. That'd be awesome. Good for you guys. Right. That's not what we're here for. And that Scott O'Neill guy isn't. And when you build, when you build your teams and you buy these companies, you're not doing that either. Right. I'll tell you what I really like of all the things you said, like was the very last one. What was the exact words? You're not going to mess with my culture. You're not going to mess with the culture. You're not not ever going to like whomever we hire, whomever we Mm -hmm. bring in, whoever we recruit, whatever we built, you're never going to mess with the culture that we have here. Mm -hmm. That, that, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I would totally agree. It kind of goes back to that asshole comment that we made there. Like we're not going to have that in our building. Uh, I got to share a text with you that I, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm hosting a networking event coming up. Uh, CEOs, business owners, uh, that's all. That's all that's getting invited. 
And so a guy sends me a text. He says, thanks for the invite, but how in the hell did I make this list? I said, well, I just invited high level good people and I'm reading this back to you that I yeah. texted. I said, well, I only invited high level good people um, that like to help others. I said, no assholes invited. I said, as long as you meet that criteria, I said, you're all good. And, uh, but you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you, you kind of have that culture and especially now I'm going into the entrepreneur space. Like I'm not gonna surround myself <laughs> like that, that culture piece that you right. talked about. Like, I'm not surrounding myself by assholes. I can pick and choose when I, now that I'm going in the entrepreneur space where I want to spend my time and who I want to spend it with. Mm. And so, you know, I'm going to create my circle and there will be no assholes and I'll have the culture that, that I want as we, we continue to grow this thing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I get, Hey, listen, mm. we, you got to hold me accountable to this podcast yet. Cause I get so juiced up about things, especially on Fridays. We got to be mm. making sure we put this content out. If anything, it's an audience of one for me, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but I'm looking at this, like you, uh, this Scott O'Neill again, yep. go listen to this. Like, like mm -hmm. you, I'm talking to you. You need to go yeah. listen to this guy about building companies, building teams, building world-class organizations. This I'm looking at my notes here, set vision, set the strategy, hire the right people, and then build that culture, how you want it to taste, how you want mm -hmm. it to feel. Yeah. Right. And, and he talks about this. I love this quote. I love this quote, enlarging it here on my screen. I want this to be shaped and be the best place to work out in the world. Right. That's his mindset. I'm building a world class organization and I'm building such a great environment, culture and team that this is the best place to work at in the world. I wonder how many of us like St. Louisans like this is leading mm -hmm. from the arch. You're building yep. your teams. We've got all these great companies and all these people that are going to listen to this podcast. Do we are we are we shaping our teams? Are we shaping our leadership environment? Are we shaping the culture that this is the best place to work at in St. Louis, if not the world? Yeah. Like, do you yep. sit there and have that mindset? Like mm -hmm. we roll out, like I have a, the place I work at is a global company, but there are offices here in St. Louis and it is in the IT space. Is it the best place to work at in St. Louis? Are mm -hmm. we collecting resumes every single day because people want to work here. And do we never lose anybody because people sit here and say, hey, I've got the best job in St. Louis, right? And you're doing that with the places and the companies you're trying to buy, buy and build in St. Louis as well. You want it to be the best place in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Scott O'Neill, was building that culture, the culture of that this of shaping his company, that it's the best place. But He's on a big global scale and he's sitting around saying it's the best place to work at in the world. What a great way to lead every single day that that's mm -hmm. what you're striving for. Right. Well, the cool uh, thing is, is that you don't have to be the CEO. Like you can do that yeah. with a, whatever size team you're running. You know, if you're running the department or if you're a regional true, manager, man. district manager, it doesn't matter. Yes. You know, like you can create your own bubble and your own people and, and I just, I don't think that people, especially when you're managing people, uh, just truly understand the impact that they can have. Uh, yes. Well, that's not that's only, not time, only thought inside their four walls or whatever, but when they go home, you know, because if, if things aren't happy at work, people go home and talk about yeah. how shitty their work is and it might ruin two more hours of the day. So not only are they working eight hours a day, they might be freaking come home stressed, complain, all of those things like it it just it has a down 
downhill. Man, it does. So, I mean, that's something I needed mm-hmm. to hear, right? So, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, yes, I mean, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're driven by amplifying the great work and the great leaders that we have in St. Louis, right? But if we're sitting around and you're listening to this podcast and you're driving down 270 to 64 and you're headed towards Clayton and the Arch, right? And you're sitting there going, man, I hope my boss listens to this or I need to send this to my boss. But the mindset is exactly what Joe just said. It needs to be. It needs to be. Let me go back to this. I'm looking at these notes here. We need people to understand the gear it takes to be excellent at your craft, Mm -hmm. what it takes to be world-class, to not tolerate mediocrity, and to not mess with the culture. Now, can that be company-wide? Absolutely. If you're headed down towards Purina or if you're headed towards worldwide technology and you're going to Edward Jones, is that something that could amplify from leadership down? Absolutely. But, Mm -hmm. man, if I'm running a team of four, and I'm sitting there going, and these people are counting on me to build the culture of that team of four or that team of 10 or 15 or 30, right? And I know that I need to tell my, let, I need to coach my people up so they understand the gear that it takes to be excellent at what we're doing or that it, what it takes to be world-class, that we're building this team and we're not going to tolerate mediocrity. And our, our, our team of four has got a culture, an energy, a vibe to it. Then maybe that one team of four becomes two teams. And now I got 16. And maybe now it's a team of 10 where I've got 60, right? Because now it's like, there's a phrase that we've used in coaching of, of um, lead myself, lead the group, lead the team, like lead the team, lead the company, right? I've Mm got to start by myself. I I need to understand the gear that it takes to be excellent. And I've got to figure out how my gear goes from third to fourth to fifth, right? And I need to know what it takes to be world-class so I can amplify that out. I need to not tolerate mediocrity amongst myself and what I do for a living. Right. And then all of a sudden, then maybe I lead a group of three or four and maybe we all kick ass. Right. But yes, is it, would it be great if it's the CEO? Would it be great if it's the CTO or my tech lead or Mm -hmm. my sales manager and all that? Yes. But man, it's, but it can start with me. It can start with me. Yep. There's no doubt. And you don't even have to have people direct reports, you know, to, to make an impact and to, to not screw up culture as he identified. Yeah, it was. It's a really good episode. But the one thing um, I really like this as well, um, and I have it highlighted here. But you know, we've got to. It's it comes back to just not allowing yourself to be mediocre, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm telling you, I I told my wife two days ago, and I'm I'm not looking for self help here, or you know, or any sort of therapy session with Joe Quinn. That would be a good podcast. Therapy with Joe Quinn. <laughs> my daily, my weekly therapy uh, session with Joe Quinn, right? We can but, solve a lot of the world's problems right? doing that. It's just, <laughs> but I'm sitting around, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go on a rant about the hard 75 or any of this, but man, I started my year kicking ass. And then you just kind of, uh, you know, you just get in this tailspin of just being mm-hmm. just okay. Everything's just okay right now. I'm not kicking ass at anything right now. I'm just okay. Right. And I looked at my wife the other day saying this, you know, I'm just in like, it's just Okay. You know, and I'm looking at this quote here, two quotes on my screen right now. And one, one's highlighted, and we haven't said this yet, but the notes from um, Scott O'Neill is, he just is driven by very good isn't good enough. Just being, even being, I'm just saying, just being okay. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. being okay right now. I'm rolling through and just being okay. I'm not, uh, I don't feel like I'm kicking ass at anything right now. But that's clearly, but being, man, being very good, you need to have the mindset of being very good isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. There's always enough. There's there's you know, you need to be sitting around with our team saying, hey, we're killing it and sitting around saying, you know what? We're still capable of more. Right. It's this idea. I'm looking at my notes to not tolerate mediocrity. 
right? And, and, and his thing is, hey, I'm not even going to tolerate being very good. What's very good? Is very good a B and a B plus, right? And mediocre mm-hmm. is a C, right? I'm hovering around just in my life at a C, right? And, and maybe on a good day, I'm having a C plus, right? But he's sitting around saying, man, even if you're a B plus, this shit still isn't good enough, right? You're capable of this A plus, right? And that's how he runs his teams, mm-hmm. right? But then to Joe's point, man, if you're going to run your teams where very good isn't good enough, how can you do it by not by still being that guy that nobody thinks is a like you don't want to be a jerk. You don't want to be an asshole, mm-hmm. right? Where people hate coming into work. But how can you get somebody to go from a B plus to an A minus where they still love their job? Where it's still to quote right to quote Scott O'Neill that this is the best place to work at in the world or St. Louis, right? Without being a jerk, where people mm-hmm. are like, man, you know what? I was comfortable and a B minus was pretty good for me. And I've got this leader all of a sudden. And now I'm all of a sudden at an A minus and I love it. This is the best place to be in St. Louis. Right. I want, I just, you know, that's, I guess that's the gift of just being a great leader. Well, I think a lot of it is too, is you got to surround yourself when you're a leader with with people that are better than you. And we've chatted about this multiple times, you know, the five best people, you know, that you hang out with all the time have got to be from your perspective, better than you. Because that definitely changes the way you behave, the way you act, especially, you know, there is no leader out there that knows absolutely everything about everybody, but it is, they've created a team that is really good, that picks yeah. up in their areas where they're not so good. And they trust that individual to to do, you know, certain tasks, certain roles, certain responsibilities. Right. And they just, but that's what great teams do, right? They all have their roles, responsibilities, or things they're good at. It's that trust factor. It just... You know, and, and it sounds like he has developed that, you know, yeah. he's got a plus players because you're not going to be a all the time at everything. But if you yeah. have some a players around you, whether that's in your own circle of friends in life, your peers at work, your coworkers, the people that work for you, et cetera. Yeah. That's how you get to a. Yeah. Uh, just along those points. And I know we need to wrap up here. Yep. Um, this is his quote, and we could go on on this mm-hmm. quote for a while, but it's all along the lines of kind of what you said. This is a direct quote from him. My skill set is I, I hire great people. I develop I develop and grow, and I get them to work together. And he essentially says, I hire great people, and I get out of the way, right? Yep. It, but yep. it's still the thing of trying to get people uh, to, to level up, you know? So yep. listen, listen, we, we re, we've rebranded this. And I hope, listen, we're going to amplify this out probably right after this. We're going to get it on LinkedIn. We're going to get it on Twitter. This is called Leading from the Arch. We're, we're passionate, driven people about uh, St. Louis, uh, the, uh, the Midwest. This is not just they say there's, there's, yes, is there St. Louis references in here? Joe, where'd you go to high school? <laughs> not St. Louis, Monroe City. Not, I'm a Panther. <laughs> Monroe, Monroe City, right? Mm, Northeast Missouri. How, how far is that from St. Louis? Uh, Northeast, it's 90, 100 miles away. 100 miles away from St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah. Monroe City. So, and I, my high school is Issaquah High School right outside Seattle. So, I'm not a native St. Louisan, but that is the question of, of St. Louis, of where you go to high school. But listen, everybody in St. Louis, like th- this is such a great community. It's a great area. From you, we're out in the St. Charles area. Uh, Joe, we're going to be bringing in some guests from the St. Louis area. If you have you made it this far, forty-seven minutes into our podcast, and you are in the St. Louis area, even if you're in the Midwest, but if you're in the St. Louis area and you want to be a guest on our show, or if you want to share this with people in the St. Louis area, please do that. 
Um, you know, we're excited about the rebrand. We're excited about being being uh, bringing people in from St. Louis and having more of an impact in 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 our community. Um, we're really excited about that. So um, you'll hear a lot of St. Louis references. Listen, we've referenced Lindenwood and Coach Girdman and the great work he's doing there. I um, actually they're going to be playing down at SLU on Halloween. So you know we'll give some shout outs here to people in the St. Louis area. And mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to follow Lindenwood basketball. It's my favorite basketball program around and uh, run by a, a great person and with great kids and a great school. So, um, but Joe, um, anything else going on with you? Um, anything, any other plugs that you want to make as we uh, wrap this up? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's for, for a different episode. We can get up, people up to speed on my career adventures yes. I'm going into real estate. So I'm going to be closing on my first property and bought, bought some property in Minnesota. So we're basically going to be buying retail uh, property. So, you know, something that we've chatted about yeah. your, your last quote, hire great people, right? I mean, th yep. that's exactly what I did. So I was able to find two, two individuals that um, both have over 30 years of experience um, we're going to be starting a real estate fund. So I, I plan to have all that done within two weeks, um, negotiating on some, uh, some property right now that's $9 million in value. And so, you know, things are definitely progressing fast mm -hmm. and it's good. Um, but honestly, just trying to do a lot of the principles that you and I have chatted about. Surround yeah. yourself with good people that are better than you, smarter than you, that have more experience than you, and they'll make me better. Things we yeah. just literally talked about in this episode. So yeah. I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. And, you know, we can talk, get caught up on, yeah. on some of that stuff. Maybe on a Yeah. So the next leading stuff. from the arch, again, if you would like to be a guest and you're in the St. Louis area, uh, please reach out to us on LinkedIn. That's the best way for both of us. And the next episode, Joe, I'd like, I, 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 I had that uh, on my mind to make sure it's been a while since we've talked about what mm -hmm. you're doing uh, and the route that and direction that, um, you know, this entrepreneurship that you're involved in is going. So I want to make sure that we cover that with the next episode, but, uh, please reach out to us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, um, whatever we can do to kind of help you out, amplify your message or what you're doing in the St. Louis community or the Midwest. We'd love to be able to do that and, um, look for us next time. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Mm -hmm. Thank you.